Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. Tomorrow's news is the Fed's going to raise interest rates 50 basis points. And it doesn't matter if the S&P's at 4,500 or at 3,000, they're raising their interest rates 50 basis points. That was Gavin, I'm Rish, and welcome to Tomorrow's News. You know, I always say to people, if I gave you tomorrow's newspaper, could you make money? And most people say, absolutely. And I'm like, well, but we have tomorrow's newspaper, right? Because we have information that we can utilize to draw conclusions about the likely path of things going forward on a probability basis. So what's more probable, what's more likely an outcome from here than, than other outcomes? And um, I think that we need to use those tools in order to make good investment decisions. And who doesn't like the sound of good investment decisions? Tomorrow's News is a casual investment podcast that is not financial advice. Because to begin with, I don't have a background in finance. And I'm not the greatest at keeping up with the markets. But... I do understand probability, and like Gavin said, a lot of good investing is probability-based decisions. So I'm going to be chatting with Gavin, co-founder and managing partner at Bell's Family & Associates. He's got over 25 years of experience in investment banking, and we're here to see what his takes are on the news and see what this means for the markets. Hey Gavin, I keep seeing headlines about how investors shouldn't be panicking, and especially for Asian and maybe Australian investors. Why is that? What does that mean? You know, whenever you say people aren't panicking, I think what, what I what I hear there is people are still receptive to allocating capital um, with a view that the future is still bright. You know, and 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 I think that that I think that that's the important thematic, and I think that's the difference between what we're seeing with U.S. investors today who are pulling term sheets, who are you know, going, oh my God, values of my private portfolio are down and, and public equities are down and so forth. I think I think people are are just continuing to plug away, find good good companies, good founders, and be willing to and be willing to allocate, knowing that, you know, this is a good time to be an investor. And that's something we need to remember, right? The the, the worst time to be an investor is when you're putting money in at the top. The best time to be an investor is now. You know, you've got more control of the timeline, the pricing, and everything. So, yeah, I think that's. I think that's right. I, I you know, I think that's uh, perhaps a benefit of people being a little bit further away from the mayhem of, of America. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also different when it's not impacting you in an everyday sort of way. And it's not just around you in your face every day. I guess. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair. Yeah, look, I think everyone. It's easier to have like a bit of a distance yeah. from it when it's just yeah, yeah. Look, I think I think people sometimes say that about you know investors that live in Minneapolis versus those that live in New York or or, or San Francisco. You know, they're just you know it's like they're reading the same news, but just by being not you know in the soup, you actually uh, you actually benefit. So what are the big things happening in the market? What's the trending news? You know, inflation has gone from something no one talked about for years to the biggest thing that everybody talks about. And unfortunately, inflation 
while the Fed is aggressively attacking inflation, many of the elements behind inflation are not in the Fed's control, right? The, the war in the Ukraine, which has a great deal of impact globally on energy prices, I mean, Europe in particular, but, but everywhere, COVID lockdowns in China and, the, and that continuing to uh, challenge supply chain. And, uh, and then the path of, uh, of recovery in the U.S., in large part, you know, wage inflation um, as uh, the demand for workers has far outstripped um, the number of workers that have returned to the workforce. We're still well below where we were when we began the pandemic. So, you know, that's been the big picture. And what about cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrencies, I mean, crypto is always going to have greater volatility than than equity. But the the great Ponzi scheme of of Luna UST, a $60 billion enterprise that unraveled really within uh, 48 hours is probably the biggest story that impacted crypto and has shaken confidence in many of um, the frameworks that underpinned people's confidence in crypto. What Gavin is referring to here is Luna USD, a cryptocurrency that was supposed to be less volatile and more safe because it was pegged to the US dollar. For many reasons, it wasn't sustainable and had a very big and very fast tumble, following which other cryptocurrencies have also been trading much lower. If you could go back a month, what advice would you give yourself? What are some pieces of information you have now that a month ago would be hot takes? A month ago, I knew that Luna was a Ponzi. I knew it was a Ponzi. I knew it was, we never touched it for, for that very reason. I, it, mathematically, it couldn't continue in the way that it had. Um, so I, I, I probably would have been short Luna and probably would have been short crypto uh, on the back of what could happen there. So I would, have, I would have certainly have done that. But in general, I would have perceived, I, I, would, have, I would have acted more aggressively in getting, in exiting a number of positions that were more subject to the extreme negative attitude that the market is, has, has developed around growth equities. And I would have acted on something that I've talked about for a long time, which is the problem of real companies right now, and you saw Target was down like 25%, is real companies have a, have a problem. They have too much inventory. The consumer is slowing down their buying behavior. But the cost pressures, in particular around wages, transportation, supply chain, have only increased. So imagine you're a real company, you're selling real goods, you've got too many of them, you've got to discount your inventory. And meanwhile, your costs go up. And in normal cycles, we let go of employees. But now we've had, it's been so difficult to find employees, the last thing you want to do is shed them. And, and, and so I, I think margin compression in many companies will be the story of the balance of the year. So those are probably some of the things that I would have probably acted on more, more aggressively. So what's tomorrow's news, Gavin? Tomorrow's news is the Fed's going to raise interest rates 50 basis points. And it doesn't matter if the S&P is at 4,500 or at 3,000, they're raising their interest, their interest rates 50 basis points. They need to at least get back to um, the place where they've got some measure of credibility and that they've got interest rates high enough so they at least start cutting the future. But I think me, the, the market may get it wrong a little bit because I think the data is weakening and will continue to weaken from an economic growth, employment, and inflation perspective as we go through May and June. So the market may actually think, oh, maybe the Fed won't raise rates that much. Maybe they'll only raise 25. 
I think they're going to be dead wrong if they get, get, go there. Now, so I think the Fed raises rates. I think we see the lows. I think we see the lows between June and September of this year. And I think that we see the, the um, that's the lows in the S&P. And I think that we see um, bond yields probably moderate their pace um, of increase, although bond yields are probably continuing to go higher here um, because interest rates likely need to continue to go higher. But the weight on equities, I think, begins to dissipate as we go from pretty much now through to October. Do you want me to give you an example? Yeah. So wage inflation is actually rolling over in the U.S. Em employment is rolling over. Industrial inventories are high. Much, many of the drivers of CPI are at least rolling over. If they haven't dissipated, they haven't been rolling over. So people right now view inflation based on information about last month. But next month, it is very likely that the all of the sentiment data that we're seeing that's uh, high frequency that's right now will start showing up in the data. Once that shows up in the data, you can ask yourself, well, what, what is the bond market going to look like? What might the equity market look like? What might the path of the Fed be like on a probability basis? Is it more probable that inflation continues to go even higher? Or is it more probable that it softens? And if it softens, what's most likely? Is it more likely that at least bond yields drop, that is bond prices go up? and that um, people at the margin begin to look at, at high quality equities as a place that, that they want to start re-entering. And I, I think that that's a more likely scenario than anything else. I mean, Apple's one of those amazing stories, right? I mean, this is, and, and I want you to remember, right? You, you can always pay too much for a great company. There's no, it's not that there's no price too high for any enterprise, right? All enterprises are limited by the laws of physics as we are, you know, on this planet, right? So Apple peaked around 180-ish and sits today around 140-ish, okay? It's not really off that much. If you're, you're asking, well, where did we start this whole adventure sort of 2019, 2020? Apple traded about 80 bucks, okay? Now, I'm not saying that Apple's going back to 80 bucks, but it's quite logical that if consumer discretionary demand slows and there are continued supply chain challenges and the overall economy slows, that, that Apple's earnings could slow and that we could learn about that in Q2 or Q3. To summarize, what Gavin's saying here is that between inflation and the problem of real companies, it is likely that over the next few months, stock prices for a lot of the growth, tech, consumer companies out there will drop with a caveat. The, my caveat about getting too invested in the market as we find it today is that Apple, as an example, which is a very big weight in the S&P, has yet to materially correct from its highs. And it is at least possible, I'm not saying it's probable, it's at least possible that Apple could face headwinds around sales growth and general growth dynamics, supply chain and so forth that come to pass as we move through the current period through Q2. And so I would argue that one should at least be cautious until we take some of the biggest weights in the S&P 
and find out if they're going to really hold up over the next little while, or what is at least possible is that they correct substantially, as have Facebook and many of the other companies in, in, that, that are big growth companies in the S&P. That is a lot to look at. Thank you. Before we wrap up, what's the crypto space looking like? So what about crypto? So, so we got to remember that crypto currently is in large part guided by the macro of the market. It, it cannot escape the broad macro and it trades with volatility that is 10 times the broad market. And that's a good thing, right? That actually gets people involved and, and excited about it. But overall, you can't escape the broad market. So I, I think that crypto continues to struggle to find a, a base uh, during this period. I think lots of volatility and, uh, and potentially some good buys. But I think that those buys are probably a retest of the lows that we saw around the whole Luna event. So, um, you know, just to give you a little pessimistic news, I think we could see the lows of for Bitcoin, maybe as low as 20,000, could be 25. You know, I don't think it's, there's any perfection there. And I think that period is more than likely to be in conjunction with a period where you see a significant equity market sell-off. It's unlikely that on its own, out of nowhere, Bitcoin just sells off to 20,000. So I do think that that will be an incredible buy. And I would recommend that people ladder their thinking from 25 down to 20. If that occurs, you probably won't want to buy anything at 20 because you'll be too scared, but that's probably the right time to start thinking about it. Again, you know, we have to look at what information is in the market at the time, but you know, that's my, that's my broad thesis. And that's tomorrow's news to look at. Thank you for listening. Apple's got it correct. Tesla's got it correct. Those stocks will correct. Fed will raise rates. People probably will be like completely out of their heads and we'll be buying, we'll be buying equities. I'm not sure we'll be buying Apple and Tesla, but we'll be buying beaten up equities. <laughs>